Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Evening. Welcome to yet another Forever Blue right here on XS Manchester 106.1 FM. This is what you might call your one-stop shop for all things Manchester City. I'm Ian Cheeseman and joining me tonight, because he was, he's been a bit poorly, um, that is uh, Paul Lake, who's normally alongside me, is a certain other City legend, David White. And uh, you come in off the back of a 5-0 win at Cardiff, David. So it's all good things to talk about, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, another strong start to the season. Uh, you know, a lot of the players. Well, I suppose a lot of players for for every team uh, had a really difficult, well, really sort of tough summer in terms in terms of work. So it's uh, uh, great uh, depth of the squad, and and uh, there's been some some good performances, and uh, it's like uh, business as usual. Were you worried after the home defeat against Leon that that this might not just be a blip, that there might be a little bit of a stumble? No, uh, I think it was really disappointing that game. I think uh, you. Just, I just felt we were a little bit bullied in the game. To, to be honest with you, I was, I was there, and uh, it did surprise me. Um, but I think also the uh, the fact that the manager wasn't on the side of the pitch, I think, made a massive difference. Personally, yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, you, you know, really you, you played the game. Why would it make much difference to me as an onlooker? I think what difference would it make? Well, I think he he really does sort of play the game from there, doesn't he? You know, he's uh, he's like you know having a, a second captain or, or a captain. We we seem to. Lack a little bit of a lead. It was it was maybe one or two people I was with said they thought that uh, Vinny Company would play because you know purely because the uh, the manager wasn't there. I think that's a great point. I think we uh, we did did miss uh, that leadership and just that ability to to really sort of impact impact on the game. So I think it was a big miss. It's funny you should say that actually about leadership because down at Cardiff, um, I particularly spotted this, and I don't know if people watching on TV, especially on the highlights, would have even seen this, uh, but when. Fernandinho went off, who had been wearing the captain's armband. John Stones was coming on at that point and he gave him the captain's armband. And there was clearly a message to John Stones, either from Pep or from Fernandinho as he went off, to pass this armband on to Fabian Delph. So he trots across to the other side of the pitch, carrying the armband in his hand, gives it to Fabian Delph, who then looks completely dumbfounded and, and sort of, what is this and why are you giving it to me? It was almost... 
cartoonish the way that he was looking around because I was watching it and not everybody would have been seeing this. And he's like, uh, 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 better get on with the game. So he plays a few minutes holding the captain's armband <laughs> and then there's another bit of a conversation and the, the, the armband ends up going to Nicholas Otamendi who then puts it on. He didn't look particularly convinced he should be putting it on either. And then Otamendi became the captain for the rest of the game. Now, on the way back, I'm talking to Stuart Brennan, who I travelled to the away games with, who's the City's correspondent on the Manchester Evening News. And he says City have actually got five captains. Vincent Company's number one, David Silva, Sergio Aguero. De Bruyne's one. And, De- and Fernandinho. Fernandinho. Yeah. So none of the five of them were actually yeah. playing. So this is why it ended up being at number six, Otamendi. Now, obviously, that, that that is true, what I've just said to you, but... Is there, should there be a more sort of strenuous leader? That's a more serious question, especially in the absence of Pep Guardiola. I'm, I'm, I definitely think so. And, and I'd, I'd have thought um, if Delph was playing, he'd have been quite an obvious choice. I think he, he is a talker. I think just watching the uh, the Amazon documentary, he's, he's uh, a lot Character, of them, a, certainly. A, a lot of them, <laughs> them are, a lot of them are vocal, but not really that constructive. Just quite funny. Uh, but I think Delph's got a bit of a. Well, we know he's got a bit of fire in his belly and. Uh, Time to time, that, that's what you need, and obviously the uh, language can be can be a barrier. I think um, again, looking at the program, you, you're quite surprised sometimes at the the sort of level level of English with these guys that have been here for many many years. You, you'd expect them to uh, speak uh, a lot more fluently, wouldn't you? So uh, can't really understand Delphi with Bradford accent, but. Um, I think it's massively important having a having a leader, and and City can get away with it because he is so vocal on the side of the pitch, isn't he? And he is kicking every every single ball. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It's but it's interesting to uh, to see that. So you genuinely think that against Leon, City lacked leadership from the touchline, and that that played a significant. Role. I, I was on on the other side of the pitch. No, generally, if I'm if I'm in the main stand, you you obviously can see what's happening. I, I, so. Um, as much as Arteta, he was up there. I, I didn't really see the dynamic of what was happening. I'd probably seen that more if I was watching on TV as well. I was, uh, I was over with Gary on the on the other side, uh, so it was difficult for me to see that. So, so really, I'm I'm, I'm really making the point that it's I think automatically the fact that Pep wasn't there because we know how vocal he is. We know how how much he can influence a game, sort of move by move, minute by minute. So he's bound to be a loss. Obviously, back to normal at Cardiff and some fantastic goals. I mean, that pretty much every goal that was scored was a was a picture perfect goal. Perhaps the Mares tapping, but at least the build up to that was fantastic as well. Um, but of course, against uh, Leon in midweek, there was a lot of discussion, as there always is from opposition supporters, about these so called empty seats. And I don't, I don't want to sort of steer away from that. But equally, I don't want City fans listening to think uh, to this to think what are you what are you doing, what are you giving this airtime for. But it is a valid thing, isn't it? Why? Do you have a theory as to why the ground's not full for these big games? Because there's so many the, theories. The, the Leon game, it, I think the difficulty with it is that it doesn't kind of mean anything that first game, does it? That I think there was a, it really didn't matter. It, even even going away was has anybody, you know, did it hurt anybody that much that we we got beat in that game? Because I think every ninety nine percent of City fans will have come away from that game saying so what. So I just I just don't. It can be boring though. Those I know it's great that you, when you can qualify after three or four games, that's fantastic. But I don't know if there's another format. I mean, I was sort of toying around the other day with whether they could almost still have a a, a two-match home and away format, but in the league. So you played Leon twice for three points. Uh, whether that would keep everything, so it almost didn't matter what the 
it it, it matters because it, it's um you know but you've got when you, you've still got to go over there and win it again or something like that there's just uh and i don't know what's going to happen with this um the third tournament i have no idea <laughs> don't, don't talk about that, that can, no that can only because <laughs> they're not they certainly they're not going to just go back to a traditional champions league and they're not going to do the cup winners cup, cup are they no so I, I can only think whether is it going to be a second tier europe i have no idea but i, ju- I just think early on um you know if if fans don't have to go there and pay the 30 or the 40 quid i, th- I know they they bring the prices down but it's not an easy place to get to after work. You know, some people, you know, they work until six o'clock and particularly with the um, the road closure, I, I was amazed how, because I went in on the tram before six o'clock and the tram was leaving. It was, you know, in... in Commuters, isn't it? Yeah. And, and so it's not it's not an easy ground to get to. Uh, so that, that combination of you working, uh, it's a lot of money, you know, whichever way you look at it, even if it's only 30 quid a ticket, if it's three, if it's 100 quid and... and and then, um, and and the traffic. Shall we miss a game? Let's let's miss that Leon game. I would say so. I think it's it's more about the. Uh, I don't think it was a big enough game in the eyes in the eyes of people because of the structure of the 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 Champions League at the early stages. Now, as people are listening to this show tonight, and thanks very much for listening and spread the word. Obviously, if people are just stumbling across Forever Blue, which is every Tuesday here on Excess Manchester. Although I've got to say. Next week is an exception. We're not actually here on the Tuesday because City are playing Hoffenheim at six o'clock and it is a six o'clock kickoff in the UK. Uh, we're actually going to do our Forever Blue show on the Monday night so that on the Tuesday night we can actually be live while potentially the goals are going in in Hoffenheim. And since I'll be in Germany, I won't be part of the show on Tuesday, but I will be part of the show on Monday. So just bear that in mind. But normally we're here six till seven on a Tuesday. Um, but now we're recording this on a Monday evening because I will be at Oxford as we're building up to this this game. So um, slightly different tonight. Rather than go into a lot of detail talking about the games, which I'm sure well, we've already touched on, we've also got the very esteemed Dr. Gary James here, who is a, he is the man, the definitive Manchester City expert. And I say that without a shadow of a doubt in my mind. And I'm sure you would go along with that, David. Yeah, Gary. Gary very kindly uh, read my book after uh, Joel Lake had uh, completed it for accuracy. Um, I think I think he made so she she did such a good job, and to be fair, I I worked bloody hard at it as well. But uh, I think he, he, Gary came up. Well, I I had this uh, team um, that I used to sing when I was a kid. It was McRae, Hammond, Donnicky Doyle, Booth, Oak, Somerby Bell, Marsh, Hartford, and Stewart, and. And Gary's point was, I don't think that team ever played. Certainly, <laughs> 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 Mickey Hammond, I don't think played. But I said, well, I agree with you. But that was the song, I, you know. So, uh, so that's the kind of detail uh, that that uh, Gary's gathered over the years. So. Well, on the basis that Gary obviously is, and I, and I don't do this in a you know in a sort of creepy way. I genuinely believe this. Without, there's nobody comes close. Um, one thing I can claim, however, Gary, but you you can talk about David because I've seen. I think I saw every minute that David played in the first team, and I was only weighing up the other day when Aguero made his three hundredth appearance playing in that game. I bet I'm the only person, apart from Sergio Aguero, who's actually been at every game that he's played in every three every one of the three hundred games because I was at the game behind closed doors in Moscow, and and how many journal all the journalists don't go to every game. All the team don't go to every game. I bet I'm the only one. But you are the expert, Gary. Now, having <laughs> all that build-up on David's time and career, and that 
you've you brought out a book which we're going to talk about, which is Manchester City folklore. Great Christmas present, of course. Uh, but it's 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 about all sorts of things. Well, you tell me, it's about all sorts of things. And what about David's era? How does that fit in? Well, I mean, to be fair, David's era, uh, David's about a week older than me. I think it's not you know, there's not much difference in our age. But um, so for me, the eighties were that same sort of period. So as we had the youth team uh, developing, you know, winning the FA Youth Cup in 86 and developing into a first team, as a fan, I'm developing on the Kipax and I'm watching those games. And it meant, certainly at that age, it meant so much to me. Um, and I, you know, every minute of the 80s, even though we had some <laughs> some awful periods at times, the relegation in 83 and, and the relegation in 87 as well, it was such an exciting period and it did feel as if we were all in it together. And, you know, I certainly remember Dave running up and down in front of the, on the wing in front of the Kipax and it meant something, feeling as if that's one of us. You know what I mean? It, it feeling as if, if if David wasn't playing, I'm sure you'd have been on the Kipax or you'd have been in the stadium somewhere. You'd have wanted to be there. Um, and so the 80s was a great time. You've got to think as well, in the 80s, there were so many issues in football, you know, obviously the disasters, Heysel and Hillsborough and, and Sutton Bradford, of course. Um, and so football fans were perceived as being violent, hooligans and so on. But at City, it was a bit different. At City, you know, we had the inflatable banana craze and we just basically had a bit of a laugh. You know? <laughs> and, and in that start, come on, I mean, I, I think I know, but but you know. Yeah, well, there's a guy called Frank Newton, actually, who... Um, for some reason, he took a demonstration bana- inflatable banana to a game. Um, and, you know, it, it was a bit of a laugh on the terraces. And then I, I remember being at Oldham Athletic um, in the second division, obviously, and, and suddenly there was like two or three bananas. And it, week on week, it started to increase. And then it became nicknamed, because obviously in Riverada was playing for City, it became nicknamed In the Banana, because it fit with a chant that we used to do for In Riverada. Riverada and it, it kept building up and building up. And then it coincided with the fanzines being developed, um, you know, Blueprint, and then King of the Kipax, obviously, and Electric Blue. And they started to promote the idea of going to um, games in fancy dress. So we had the Stoke fancy dress game, which for those you know, who don't, who don't really know, this was, this was absolutely incredible time because there we were playing in the second division. We were, we were going to play Stoke over Christmas. Um, Stoke was at the old Victoria ground. Away, City's away following was always quite decent, but for that game, we took over 12,000 fans, which was more than half the capacity of the stadium. Uh, Stoke handed over an entire side of the ground, plus most of the behind the goal, a paddock behind the goal, and fans arrived in fancy dress, um, carrying inflatable bananas, and, you know, it was it was just an incredible day. City, unfortunately, City being City at that time, the result didn't go our way. That's because we were in fancy dress. <laughs> and the, the players actually came out carrying inflatable bananas. Now, I'm not certain if that was a good idea or, or what, but from a fan's point of view, again, it felt as if there was a connection there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I remember that day particularly while walking around the corner and seeing everybody in fancy dress, and I knew they were going to do it. We didn't have social media in those days, but through the fanzines and through all the communications, you knew they were going to do it, but there's something a bit surreal of seeing, like, five... 5,000 Blues Brothers walking around yeah. the corner or whatever, Frankenstein coming towards you, whatever. But that is the... And, and obviously your book, City Folklore, captures these differences, the things that make City unique because so many other fans of other clubs 
throw this city have got no history. What is history? History, oh. just winning trophies, well, not to me. Well, you talk about you know empty seats and so on, and that drives me mad, and that was one of the reasons why I did this book, because I wanted to sort of paint the picture as it is. So, first of all, City won a major European trophy before Liverpool. But who knows? You know, as, as the outside world doesn't accept that. But anyway, we did. Um, won a major trophy 50 years before Chelsea, 20-odd, 30 years before Arsenal, and, and it goes on. Um, but in terms of the game, the Leon game, that crowd of 41,000 was significantly bigger than a lot of United's crowds in the Champions League during the 1990s. We're just at a different stage of development. Yeah. Europe doesn't quite mean now, at the moment, what it does to Manchester United and Liverpool because, they, to be fair, they have enjoyed Champions League success you know, in, in the last two decades. We haven't. So we're just at a different stage, and I'm convinced that, given another five years... There won't be any question about whether there's 50,000 a game against Leon, you know, in the group stage. It'll happen. But at the moment, we just haven't quite got to that stage. That's all. But 41,000 for, in essence, a fairly meaningless Champions League game is incredible. With two weeks' notice as well. Absolutely. We'll come back and talk about it. Oh, go on. So, just very quickly, the, the original capacity at the stadium was not a lot more than that. I think, I think that would be what we used to get at 2003, 2004. Yeah. It, you know, so yeah, if we if we'd have been playing at Main Road, it would have been full. You know, it would have been a sellout. Then we said, look at the loyalty. Chelsea playing a smaller stadium, so it's easier for them yeah, to sell that's out. That's all true. And Liverpool's crowd at weekend when it just only just fifty thousand for a Premier League game when their capacity is over fifty four. Very good points. We'll come back to you two in just a second, and we're also going to speak to Nader Manua, former City player, who these days is out in the good old US of A. Right after this. You're listening to Forever Blue, XS Manchester 106.1 FM. In the studio with me is David White, the former City winger, and Dr Gary James. Do you, do you like being called Dr Gary? just called Gary. Gary, I'm not fine. Well, I love the doctor bit, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to calling you Professor Gary James. It's got to be coming soon, <laughs> that, hasn't it? You never know. Uh, and talking of professors, blimey, now we've got a very intelligent footballer joining us from the US of A, a certain Mr Nader Manua, who... Uh, who Always outthinks me whenever I talk to him, so um, not no, no, that's particularly hard. And he joins us now. Nadam, you all right? Yeah, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever time it is, wherever you are. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> What's it like out in Salt Lake City and your new venture? Well, it's very hot at the minute, I'll be honest. It's very dry, so I'm really not used to these conditions at all. Not at all. You're not complaining, are you? It's been raining here this no, week no, and no. cold. Hey, yeah. In Manchester, you're being serious. <laughs> never, never been heard of that. Yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been good to me so far. Learning a lot about the city and the way they play football or soccer over here and all that stuff. So yeah, I'm in a good place. Now, before we talk to you about the football, because obviously that's that's your area of expertise. Well, one of your areas of expertise. Yeah. Uh, Gary James has got this book out called City Folklore, and I, you're a local lad. Uh, you grew up in Clayton, yeah. and you're a City fan. So, so just like uh, Phil Foden, you know, you're one of our own, and all that sort of stuff. So, what what did City folklore mean to you? Did it, do you, do you always buy in as a player, as a kid growing up, into the stories around the club as much as the actual football? Um, I think it's I think it's very much like person to person, to be honest. Because I remember when I was younger, uh, so I was really started supporting the team from probably around seven, eight. And shortly after, when I was signed, and I, I was doing the ball boiling and things like this, so I was going into the into the main road at the time, and I was getting the programs from like the mid '80s, early '90s, and stuff like this. So I was really, really buying into it, you know. But that's not necessarily the same way that everyone else talks. That ends up being in front of the club, if you know what I mean. 
But the humour, I mean, that, that obviously I'm sure Gary will nod along to this one. The humour is so central to City. Um, is, was that something that you picked up on as a kid as well? Yeah, it was, yeah. Especially the way that, you know, the club has obviously been successful, but the measure of success in recent years is far different to what it was, say, when I first started watching. So you're always, you know, you could take yourself seriously, but you couldn't take yourself too seriously just because in the grand scheme of things, you weren't really competing, were you? So people would always laugh and joke, and you know, there's. I think there's this thing that if you support City in the 90s, early 2000s, chances are you're always, you're almost always expecting something to go wrong. Whereas this new generation of fans, you know, they're expecting things to go right, otherwise they're just unhappy. You know what I mean? Does that mean the club's changing then? <laughs> changing, you say? Changing? <laughs> Changed? Changed then? It changed. Maybe just a fraction from from where it was. Because the big thing for me over the past month or two months has been the fact that. I've had to do lots of talks about, say, what happened 10 years ago. But what happened 10 years before that? Was that not the Division two, Division 2 playoff final? That was 10 years before that. And now we're talking about being disappointed because they've lost in the Champions League first game when they were one of the favourites to win it. So I think um, change has definitely happened. And does, do you get that? You, you're obviously only putting your foot in the water of it is at the moment because you've not been in America for long. But you get that feeling in America that the people who follow City over there are following them just because they're a successful team. Um, yeah, I'd say 100. percent To be honest with you, like you do have fans who like the origins and you know their fan base and stuff like this. But I think the way that Pep's got them playing a certain brand of football, people are buying into it because it's what they want to see for how they want to see the game being played. So you're getting more casual fans, kind of in the same way Arsenal had a lot of casual supporters around, you know, the time of being invincible and all that stuff. You know, Arsenal seemed to be everyone's second favourite team because they were doing something that was a bit different. But, you know, that's all that's all gone now. But, yeah, you do have more supporters buying in. I wouldn't necessarily call them glory seekers as such, but I think they appreciate what's going on there and how it's, it's different to norm, but it's definitely something which they'd like to be behind, if you know what I mean. I know you played for QPR for a long time, Naden, but is it City that they always talk to you about, fans? Um, yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. Like, my time at QPR, as crazy as it may seem, ends up being half of my career. Yeah. Potentially at this moment, you know, at this moment in time. So that's long, why long I asked time. the question because but, because it is split, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I think the way that I see myself because I've always I spent the years that I spent down there, but home was always north. So the association with Manchester City was the thing which you know that's what I want. When my career is done, I'll speak about everything that I have done. But the bit that stays closest to my heart is the fact that I played for my boyhood team. And I was there from, you know, from 10 years of age through to 25, 26 or whatever it was. So it, there's a split in terms of people that, you know, that will come and talk to me about football. But the fact is, you know, I'm lucky enough to still to have played with certain members in the squad now. So I can always talk about those times and make it relatable to what people are seeing on TV and stuff like that. Do you know where, say, you tend to sometimes get to a point where all your connections are gone. So you're looking at a brand new team, but the fact is there's still people within the side who I can relate to and who I can speak to. So, you know, I still, still for now, I still kind of feel part of that, even though I was away for six and a half years. Listen, Nadim, you're always going to be part of it. Even when those players have moved on, you are part of City's history. And because of your connection to Manchester and the very things you've said in this show, people aren't going to forget you, are they? Yeah, 
it's, a, it's one of those things to be fair. I'm not, I'm not one of those that craves attention or wants to be remembered and so on and so forth. But I remember those times fondly. I think I appreciated them then, but I appreciated them a lot more after I left because it's very rare that you'll spend years playing for the playing for your local side. You know what I mean? Like most people's careers start and they have to move straight away. But I didn't have to move until I was in my mid twenties, and you know it's. It's one of those things. I was, I was sad to leave, but then I had to have a career. But to have spent those years of my career playing for Man City and to see where they are now and to you know the, the, the experiences I had there, is, you know, it's incredible. I know, obviously, you're playing over there yourself, and there's a time difference. But have you had a chance to watch the the Leon game and the Cardiff game, the recent matches? Uh, the Cardiff game, not so much the Leon one. I think it, it's the time difference is so tricky over here because we're more toward the west. Like if you say City have an early kickoff, then that's five thirty in the morning. So for as much as you know, I do like to support the Blues. I do also quite like to sleep as well. Uh, <laughs> it's just a, it's just a, it's just a bit too soon. If it was an hour later, then you know, is what it is. But yeah, I'm always I'm always trying to see what's going on and watch it. I didn't I didn't see the Leon game, but I did see the Cardiff game. You know, I'm glad that they had that response because people were almost you could almost feel like the criticism was about to begin. You know, people saying, well, either the real deal, either this, either that. But I'll tell you for a fact, going to Cardiff, although they've not won yet, that's not an easy fixture. That'll be one of the most competitive games that they'll play in all season. But the fact that it's still managed to dismantle them probably says a lot about, you know, where the squad are at. And or where the squad is at, rather. And it's not one whereby people are doubting themselves or the lacking confidence. I'm going to open the floor now, Nadem, to the two guys who are with me here. Dr. Gary James and David White, who is a City player who doesn't have any relationship with any of the players in the team at the moment, so he can relate 100% to where you'll be in a few more years. (laughs) Now, Gary, having written the the folklore book, I wonder if there's anything you want to ask Nadem. Actually, what I was going to say is that um, from uh, a sort of history point of view, if you like, Nadem's time at City was really important because that stability that we developed uh, in the Premier League, you know, making sure that for the first time in 20 years, really, we were a stable Premier League side was really important. And obviously, Nadem's always going to have a special place because he's, he's a Manchester, you know, he's Manchester one lad. He's, he's yeah. one of us, just like David is, you know. So you will remember that forever. Um, but certainly without Nadem and that generation of players, would, would the Sheikh ever have invested in City? Is it all down to you, Nadem? Essentially, yeah, I think that's what it boils down to. You know, you've got you've, you've got all the pieces. Just put them together, and you see that the, you've painted the picture perfectly. There's no difference between this side now and the side that I played in, where we didn't score a goal at home for four months. You know, it's basically the same thing. You see, there's that humour. That's why you know that he's a City yeah. fan, don't you? Hey, it's a bit yeah, drier course, than yours, yeah. Davy, but it's there, isn't it? I'm sure it is. Yeah, the the I think the obviously when you've been at club for so long, I was there from. 10 to 26 I think um, I think when when you're still playing you can't you kind of do get a bit detached from it a little that was that was certainly my experience and I think also that there's a, oh, so many difficult at the time that after I left for the sort of next 10 years between 93 2003 there, there was an awful lot of difficulty at the club wasn't there so I got quite a quite a way detached from it and obviously with kids and this I got in fairness I got quite a, quite a way detached from football um, and then to, to be honest with you probably when I sat down to write my book and, and brought back all all the memories, not just of when I was playing, but from being a sort of five-year-old and well, being a kid and hearing my dad's, you know, my dad sing to me about the sort of mid-fifties team and the late-sixties team, and, and and it just one of the most important things that's ever happened to me is all of that flooding back 
uh, and it, it, you know it's great to be so close to the club again. So are you going to write a book, Nadam, following David's footsteps um, and, and Dr Gary James's? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm not. Um, I've got I've got stuff to to potentially fill up many many books, but that's not really my thing. And it's interesting actually you should see the stuff that you said, especially David, because over here people are asking me questions because the league's in a slightly different position where a lot of people looking to potentially go and play in Europe, play in England, and this that and the other, but they've never done it. And they ask me about some of my experiences, and all of a sudden when you start talking, you realise that you've actually, I've actually had lots and lots and lots of them but it's not really something I ever think about until I have to discuss it so many of them for City so many for like Queen's Park Rangers even so many for Sunderland and you think well to be honest I've, I've not had the worst career in the world here and I've done some things which you know at the start I never would have thought I would have been a part of from say winning the um, the Derby Old Trafford in the Munich you remember the Munich anniversary game Yeah, and that was like and that was with like Benjani and Darius for selling little things like say at half time in the game when we were leaving, I think it was two 0 I looked over at Darius, who was a good friend of mine at the time, and I looked at Stevie, Stevie Allen, and I thought every time Darius for has scored, he's never lost a game. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, that means we've won. It's half time, <laughs> but we've won at Old Trafford. <laughs> you know, and it and it came, and it came true. There was, you know, lots of little moments like that where you look back and think, I tell you what, those those were really really good times. But doing what I love doing. And doing it for the, for the club that I loved as well. Listen, I wrote Colin Bell's books. If you ever fancy writing a book, Nadam, just give us a bell and I'll sit down with you. I'll have to, obviously have to fly <laughs> okay. out to Salt Lake City every now and again. Won't have to do it Anything at the moment. To get yourself out there, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah listen, it's, it's not the worst place in the world. It literally is just like home with more mountains and half the weather and no rain. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty similar, really. Perfect. Uh, right, listen, Nadam, we'll let you go now, but thanks very much for joining us. Uh, I know the, the, obviously the time difference means your day is only really starting, so have a good day and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Indeed, sir. Take care. See you later. The one and only Mr Nadam Anua, um, part of City's folklore, Gary. Yeah, and, and obviously that derby game is so important to us. Yeah. First one through all those years. And it's just been recently the anniversary of the 5-1, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, um, what 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 are the stories that you two? Blimey, you must have some stories between you. That five one. Don't ask. I don't like it. Um, I think I've made it clear. I, I I think it was it was a brilliant day, and it was something that we should have celebrated for certainly that week and probably until the next derby. And, and we we seem to have to live in it for a long, long time, unfortunately. And, and that's so. So that's my memory. I I, I don't want any. Um, United fan, your next United player sort of giggling at me because I'm celebrating a game that happened 29 years ago. Oh, but the difference now, David, is that there was a time when that was the derby that everybody celebrated. But since the, the Munich won and 6 1 and all the rest of yeah. it, it's been forgotten now. And Wembley and. I think, I think with the 5 1, what made that different was we just got promoted. We'd, we bought Clive Allen and Ian Bishop, but Clive Allen couldn't play. So our, our big signing, if you like, million pound player couldn't play. Um, I think Neil McNabb was out, Andy Dibble was out. So, you know, three players that should have played in a sense. So you felt that they would have been the types of players picked. United, Alex Ferguson's team, was the most expensive ever assembled in English football, in British football at that time. Such an expensive team. Brian Robson didn't play, though, did he? Uh, yeah, yeah, to be we, fair, we, Brian we, Robson Which was a, a, a massive loss for them. Yeah, but, the, you know, they had some really big stars like Pallister and Webb and so on and Bruce and, and people like that. And... There was that first 10 minutes where it was a bit nervy. Then the players had to go off because United yep. fans were causing trouble in the off stand. But then after that, 
we absolutely swept them aside, and it was it was incredible. Yeah. It was, I mean, it, it was one of the best displays I've, I've ever played. There's, there's no doubt about that. If you're going to celebrate one, celebrate that. On the day, we were absolutely incredible. I think the probably only half a dozen games that I played in where we were that good. Every everything turned to gold for for every player, every player that day, and it, and it was fantastic. And as an individual performance, yes, it's worth worth celebrating. But it was just. Uh, I just always want to make the point. It it was a false dawn. Um, we got beat six 0 at the baseball ground within weeks of that. Um, absolutely destroyed, and the manager lost his job. And yeah. um, and then you know all of that brought Howard Kendall to the club, which was one of the best things that have happened to the club, in my opinion. And and you know his what he did with the the team and the squad uh, saved us from relegation. Absolutely that season. Right, we'll be back with uh, Gary James and David White right after this. This is Forever Blue on XS Manchester 106.1 FM. I'm Ian Cheeseman. David White, former City winger, is here. Uh, Gary James, the author of so many of the Bibles, if you want to call them that, of Manchester City history. Uh, in fact, Manchester history. And Gary, it's fair to say as well, for people who don't know, uh, you're not just a sort of casual author. You are a City fan, but you're also uh, an intellectual. You know, and I don't mean that in a I don't mean that in a flippant yeah. way. But you work at a university. You spend your life studying the history of our city and this club. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be fair, I've probably researched United as much as City. It just happens that I'm a City fan, and my family, you know, is half red, half blue. It's a typical sort of Manchester family uh, when I was growing up. Um, my granddad knew a guy called Bert Wally who died in Munich air crash, for example. Um, so I have written about it, but what really drives me mad, and one of the reasons why I've done this book is that um, there are lots of myths about football. There's lots of myths about United, lots of myths about City. So I want to spell it out, what the truth is. And with this book, what I wanted to do more than anything else was give City fans ammunition, I suppose. Um, give them a fairly easy book, because a lot of my books are heavyweight books that I can imagine put some people off. I wanted to create something that's a bit of a stocking filler, the sort of book that you can dip into, the sort of book that every time you pick it up, you go, oh, I didn't know that, or, ah, yeah, I remember that now. Um, so that was the, the reason behind it. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, there's so much more still to tell about Manchester football, City and United, um, and City's place. We cannot overlook this. You know, I did the, a thing in there about the position in 1983, we had spent more seasons in the top... When we got relegated in 83, we had spent more seasons in the top flight than United. We were only f about three trophies behind United's success. It was really the, the late 90s where things happened. But even the 1990s, as obviously, you know, anyone who was around knows, City finished fifth two years running. Had, had there not been the ban on European clubs b because of Heysel, we may well have qualified for the old UEFA Cup and who knows what could have happened. You know, there was a time... We, especially when our Kendall was there, when we could seriously have challenged. I think the, uh, just just on that, I, I mean, it, football for a lot of people started in 1992. That, that's that. I think that's what the issue is. That uh, you know, at the time when United suddenly became brilliant, let's have it right, they did become brilliant. From you know, to to do what they did with a, a group of kids was absolutely unheard of. I don't think we'll ever ever see that again. It was uh, you know to produce such an incredible group of players. Um, and but that was as the Premier League started. You know, I I scored City's first ever Premier League goal, but to to us it was just another game. It was literally we come back. It's another season. We're playing at the same stadium, although it seems to have not one of the end of it down. <laughs> um, you know, and we had cheerleaders. So what? But we're playing the same stadium. We were the same group of players. We're playing against the same teams. We're playing with the same football. We didn't even have numbers on our shirts. Sorry, names on our shirts that first season. It just felt the same, and yet suddenly that's when 
the the, the clock was reset and started and you, you know there's you don't see records of you know total anything nobody seems to be bothered about what happened prior to that and i think i think that's half, half the problem and it's personally i find that frustrating uh from you know from a personal point of view so from the club point of view we definitely should and, and there does seem to be that just big chunk of you know we even um the seventies did we had we had some great great like players Dave Watson yeah, and Peter Barnes uh, I mean Den- Dennis Stewart um how Dennis Stewart doesn't get on that uh, dressing room scene I have absolutely no idea because Dennis Stewart was he scored hundred and thirty odd goals for for the club as a as a wide player. He scored what I would consider City's best ever goal in a you know a League Cup final, which is probably not um, it's not quite as big as it was then now. But it, I went to it; it, it was a, a serious, serious game. Um, and we do; we just seem to have, there's a, a big chunk of our history. I think that just seems to have been forgotten. I think we've perhaps maybe as a club we've made a mistake in that we've focused too much on ninety eight, ninety nine, and how low we got. And it is an incredible story of what happened for from ninety eight, you know, to to two thousand eighteen. It's an incredible story of how things changed. But we should but never never have been there. That's we should the, never have been there. That's the, and, that's the issue. And if you think about it, it was basically ninety six to two thousand and two that they were the years that were out of characters with City's history. You know, of course we got relegated in the eighties twice, but but it wasn't quite the same. We were still a giant. We were still one of the most popular teams. But that period in the late nineties wasn't typical. We were not a third level club who suddenly got rich. We were a major footballing power, one of the big four or five throughout the 70s and 80s. Up until uh, 83, we were one of the top three or four best supported clubs year on year from 74, I think it was. So we were major. We were lucky that we didn't win the league in 77 yep. when Liverpool did. You know, it could have easily gone anyway. And, you know, Dave Watson said he's responsible for not winning the league and all sorts of things like that. But, you know, those players were fantastic. The England internationals we had in that period was yep. fantastic. 80s was, was you know, a, a great reliance on youth. And then the early 90s was, I, yeah, was incredible. I saw a picture, I, I had a picture, I think I put it, put it up on Twitter or Facebook. It was, I think it was 78, 79. And, and the more I went through it, I, I could find, I think there was about 11 or 12 players on there that I would, I would say, even as they were then, would find a place in this squad now. You know, and it, and it was obviously Dennis Stewart and it was... Um, it was Peter Barnes and it was Dave Watson and then people because and people were commenting and and almost all of the players on that picture somebody put forward as he'd be able to do it, you know Gary Owen on his day absolutely definitely would would play in that team you know as a you know I'm not saying you know I'm, I'm absolutely I'm saying with Dennis Stewart he would be in the team, and then there's a there's a whole host of other players where you'd say oh I'd love uh, Mike Doyle in there I'd love Dave Watson in there absolutely Paul Paul Power to me absolute club legend and and you know would would find a way certainly into that squad mentality. We, we were very, very good at that point, but we just seemed to have this habit of not getting there with trophies. I, I never came near, you know, a cup. And and, and, and I think that's kind of after you judged, you are judged on what you, you still wear. And during that period, there was a obviously a drought. Yeah, and people forget, because it seems to be that when she, once you start winning trophies now, you tend to win three, four trophies in the space of a few years. Back then, teams would win a trophy, yeah. and it could be five years before you stand a chance of winning another trophy. And that happened to United, it happened to City. The only team it didn't seem to happen to was Liverpool, who kept winning trophies. Were brilliant. But, 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 you know, um, Paul Power, as you say, all those years' service... Willie Donnick, you know, we, oh. we, we've, we've had a kind of a, a problem at left-back, and there's two there that, you know, if we'd have had those two players over the last, you know, seven or eight seasons, they, they'd have been the 
Billy Donoghue would have walked into the team at right back or left back every week, probably. And rightly now we're talking about you know players as being legends. You know Vincent Kompany done ten years, all that sort of stuff. We can't forget that people like Ian Brightwell yeah. were there for an awful long time and were part of that club and and helping to resurrect the club to some extent, but also you know constantly challenging for for. Um, survival at times but Premier League in, in the early 90s I... which proves the point that I've made before about the the history history isn't just about winning trophies it's about all the things that you guys have been just talking about and uh, on, and obviously I get feedback when I do vlogs of what people like and whilst most of what I do on, on YouTube and on the City website these days is about fans talking about that particular game I'll tell you what people always resonate to I did one at, at Arsenal and I went to Highbury where they've redeveloped it and put buildings around it now and they've kept this centre green. I had to get permission to go in there, but I did just a couple of minutes filming in there. I did the same thing down at Cardiff at Ninian Park where they've built a housing estate. It's opposite where the new stadium is and they've kept the centre circle and put an inscription on there. Um, and I actually get more reaction or as much reaction from those types of little snippets mm. as anything that I do, which shows, and, and I know that's not city history per se, but the history of football is not just Cardiff, you know, didn't win lots of trophies. Arsenal, I know, did. But it's about it. people are fascinated by history, aren't they, Gary? I, I once, when I, I set up the, the old museum at City, and I went to this sort of museum event once, and it was talking about the National Football Museum in Scotland, the Scottish National Football Museum. And at the end, somebody said, There's somebody who's setting up the museum at, at Manchester City. Um, why? Because there's already a great museum at United. And I said, but City and United history is different. Well, can't you share? No. Every club starting, you know, Stockport County, Oldham Athletic, whoever it is, can have a, a, a museum or can have some sort of um, tribute to their history. So it does beg the question, which I know you want to make another point, why have City not got a museum? Oh, well, you know, I, I, who knows? But anyway, what, what I would say is, <laughs> recently people have been talking about naming stands and saying David Silver should have one. I am totally against the idea of naming football stands after players, because I think it limits you to four names for a start, and it also means you're forgetting people. Unless what? you're unless you're Watford in the eighties, you could. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's true. Um, what what I'd prefer to see is perhaps the walkway from the CFA to the stadium, lined with perhaps statues, you know, the greatest say twenty players from every era, um, but also on the floor like a Hollywood like style walk, walk yeah, yeah, Hollywood yeah. style yeah, walk of yeah. fame yeah, with yeah. with stars or whatever it is, so that you can remember Brilliant all idea. of those sort of players. Maybe you start with players who've you know made more than hundred appearances or whatever, but over time you build it up. So that means that Bert Troutman is remembered in the same way as David Silver, that Billy Meredith is remembered. You know, um People will forget those sorts of names if we name all stands after current players. And no matter how great a player is, no player is bigger than the club and could be eclipsed in 20 years' time. Could be. Gary, you've got influence at the club. That I is don't. a brilliant <laughs> idea. Absolutely brilliant. I was lucky enough to be on the west coast of America on holiday this year and you walk along Hollywood Boulevard and you've got all those stars. That is brilliant. That is exactly what should happen, isn't it? I'd, I'd love that. I mean, I, I don't have that sort of influence at the club, but, um, but it is the sort of thing that if I, you know, if I had the money, if I was the sheikh, I would certainly look at representing the entire history of the club. You could take a, uh, um, well, you could take the Hall of Fame names to start with, but then you build on that. So it does mean that David White appears directly opposite Sergio Aguero or whatever, you know, he, because these every player has contributed to that story of Manchester City. It's not just 
Tony Bork, and I don't I don't mean disrespect to anyone. It's not just Tony Bork or Vincent Cumnet. It's everybody, and so you need to find a way of representing everybody, not just four players who your name stands after or twenty who name your name bars after. You know, because that's what we used to do. We used to have a Dennis Law bar or whatever, didn't we? But you know. We we just need to remind people of what Manchester City was, and to is, me, and should be. And to me, there might be a Bernard Alford star, there might be a Stan Gibson star, there might yeah. be a Lee Helen Jackson star, Helen yeah. Helen the Turner, the Bell. You know, yeah, though because they're all part of the history, and that's the bit that really fascinates me. Uh, right, obviously we're we're running out of time now. Um, the book, uh, which will I'll do a tweet uh, link to our podcast of of this show a little bit later on, which has a picture of the book on it. Uh, but just tell us about it. Where can you buy it? How much is it? Yeah, it's fifteen pounds. It's Manchester City folklore. It's about two hundred and five pages, I think it is. Um, you can get it from Waterstones and Amazon and all those places. City uh, shop, presumably. Uh, not yet. No. Right. Uh, well, hopefully soon, but not at the moment. Um, and the website is conquereditions.co.uk if you want to look at that. Um, but it is the sort of book that you pick, pick up, win a few arguments in the pub, but you know, with friends. Um, and really, we celebrating city's history. And if they follow you on Twitter, you'll put the links out, and you are? Uh, at Gary James Writer on Twitter. And while we've got David here, obviously constantly campaigning, and you've got a book out at the moment, you're wearing your save badge tonight. Yeah. How do people find out what you're up to, David? Uh, well, I'm David underscore White 7 on Twitter and Facebook, I, I believe, or official David White on Facebook. Uh, and uh, we've got we've actually got a city quiz coming up for save, which uh, people the listeners might be interested in. That's on... The 9th of November at Manchester 235 Casino, we're looking for teams and individual players, and uh, I'm sure if you have a good read of this book before that, you probably win. So that's, uh, Don't that's, invite Gary down. No, that's, uh, so that's Mark McCarthy, what a big City fan, the guy who's is on, um, on the Amazon programme more than Pep. Uh, he's, he wanted to do that for us, which is fantastic. So uh, you can get me, as I say, at David underscore White or David at Save Association. Dot com. You can email me directly on there. That's david at saveassociation.com. Now, obviously, we're talking the night before the Oxford game, but quick quick word about that, and we've just got a few seconds. Do you take it for granted that City are going to put out a weaker team? That It'll have probably been announced by the time we're saying this, but, but will it be a weaker team and you expect City to cruise through? Yeah, I would say so. I'd say so, say so on both. Uh, you know, with a, a weaker team for City now is not a weak team at all, is it? So uh, I think the, the days are gone when you... Many years ago, you, you couldn't afford to do that. You, you would go to, I know, places like Brentford and get turned over so, with with our strong team. So, uh, no, things are different now. So, yeah, I'd expect, I'd expect both a weak team and a, and a victory. And you were telling me, Gary, about City's history in the League Cup in 1970. Well, in 1970, it was the first season that all 92 league clubs entered the, the competition. And it was a major competition. You played at Wembley. Uh, and I think uh, David was absolutely right. You know, 76, it was as big as the FA Cup as far as we were concerned. You know, and I, I remember going to the homecoming parade and, and celebrating that. Um, I, I just hope teams take it seriously. You know, I think any team should try and win that competition because it is the first sort of silver ever season. And City are the current holders. Of so. course. All right, thanks very much for listening. Don't forget, next week, uh, and one week only this is, because City kick off at six o'clock in the evening at Hoffenheim, and if you haven't clocked that one, get, you, get your early dart from work sorted out. Um, the game kicks off at six o'clock, so that means that Forever Blue will be on Monday night and uh, assuming that Lakey's well again, because he's been a bit poorly this week, I'm going to actually sit and talk to Paul about his life and his career. If he's not, then David might dive in or somebody else and we'll talk about his life and career. That's the plan at the moment, next Monday. And then on Tuesday, when the game's on, I think it's going to be uh, Gary Owen 
and Mickey Thomas, who will be taking you through what they'd normally do on a Monday, but with score updates on what's going on. Thanks very much for listening. Don't forget to download the podcast. See you again next week. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.